If you have a copy of God's Word, go ahead and open to Joshua chapter number 1. Joshua chapter number 1. We're going to continue our series that we started last week on getting back to basics. Getting back to basics. And we want to get back to the basics of the Christian life. We said it's rather simple to understand. The truths are rather uh, given to us in a simple a clear and concise manner, it's living it out that gets a little bit more complicated. It gets a lot tougher when you try to live God's truth, but uh, it's, it's easier to live God's truth when you can just kind of define, here's what God wants me to do. And, and so getting back to basics is really getting back to what uh, the Christian life is all about, what it means to walk with God. And so uh, in Joshua chapter number one, uh, we're going to be studying this morning. And by the way, if you've not received the notes, go ahead and just raise your hand and the ushers will get one right to you. And uh, that way you can uh, follow along this morning as we study God's word together and we can grow. The Bible says that we grow as we study his word. And so this morning, the notes are just a help for that. And that way, anything that maybe God brings to your mind as we go through his word, you can just kind of jot it down there. And it's been proven that if you write things down, you usually remember them uh, better. And uh, so that's what the notes are, are for uh, this morning as you study. Joshua chapter number one, then, uh, in verse number eight and verse number nine. And if you're not familiar with the book of Joshua, it's, it's the first book of the Bible, of the historical books in the Bible. It's, it's one of the first books that comes right after what is known as the law, the book of the law. Uh, the first five books uh, were written by Moses uh, in, the, in the time that he brought Israel out of Egypt, in the time that where they were in the wilderness, he was writing the first five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Uh, and then after that, uh, then Joshua comes onto the scene. Joshua was Moses' successor. And uh, he was the leader that was actually going to take the people of Israel into the promised land. And uh, so if you've ever read the book of Joshua, you know, one, there's a lot of fighting in the book of Joshua uh, because they're going into the promised land and they're going to conquer the promised land. So you'll, you'll read a lot about fighting, but you also read a lot about victory. Uh, the people in Joshua's day, the people that were following Joshua, uh, were a people that found a lot of victory in their life. Uh, the people that Moses led out of Egypt, sadly, because of a lack of faith in God, uh, did not have a lot of victory in their life. In fact, they're known as people that never made it into the promised land. They're known as people that just kind of wandered for 40 years in their life before God just took them home. But the book of Joshua is a totally different kind of book. It's a different kind of people there. And, and you'll find uh, that one of the biggest themes of the book of Joshua is this, uh, what is titled in the book, the law, or what you and I would call today God's word. Uh, God's word is a central theme for Joshua from the very beginning, as we'll study this morning, before they even went in to conquer uh, the, the promised land, they had to get a right perspective of what God's word was all about. They had to have a right foundation for themselves of the Bible before they could actually go in and God could bless them with victory in their life. And can I say this morning that as, as 
people that are followers of Christ, as people that are a people of God, we today have the same outline for victory. Just like they needed to have a right foundation of God's word so that they could have victory in their life, we today also need to have the right foundation of the Bible in our life if we're going to live a victorious Christian life. So I want you to notice in Joshua chapter number one, we're going to read from verse one all the way down to verse eight. But just like we did last week, we're really going to focus on verse number eight in our study. But just for context, we'll, we'll start in verse number one, and, and that way you can see what is happening. It says in verse number one, now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn uh, not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. Now, this is the verse we're going to study. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then shalt thou make thy way prosperous, and then shalt thou have good success. And look at verse number nine. It says, Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Let's pray. Father, as we start in your word this morning, I pray that you would first of all be with us, that your Holy Spirit would illuminate our minds, that our hearts would be receptive to your word. I pray that you would fill me with your spirit as I communicate the message this morning. And may I do it with some clarity. May I do it in a way that would bring you honor and glory, but that would also grow us this morning. We want to draw closer to you. We want to know what your word says and teaches. And so I pray that, Father, uh, you would use this time that we are in your word this morning to be a, a time that is profitable for us, that your word would sharpen us and conform us more into the image of Christ. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the foundation of all faith and practice in the Christian life is the Bible. Uh, it was written in a span of over 1,500 years, over 40 different authors, many of them from different countries, different regions, speaking different languages. And yet during all that time, God was using each one of them to bring the same single message, to form the, the one foundation for everyone that follows God, for everyone that believes him to be the God of truth. 
And that foundation that we call uh, God's Word is the Bible. There's no book that is more important to the Christian than the Word of God. Now, there are other books that Christians can read that are important, but none more important than the Bible. None more important, none more central to the Christian than the Bible. You see, because all of our faith, all that we do, all that uh, we can understand about God comes from the Bible. It's a book that is infallible. It's a book that is inerrant. It means it has no errors. It has no contradictions. Perhaps you've gone on Google and you say, well, pastor, but I've seen that on the internet there are people that say that there are contradictions. Yes, people that have not studied the word of God. People that have not found that God is the God of truth. And you'll find if you study, if you're really objective, not one that says, well, I'm out to prove that God is not real or that God does not exist. Though there have been many that have done that, many that do that and keep an open mind have actually come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. Many authors uh, that you'll find, if you read about them, uh, you'll find that many uh, actually started by setting out to prove that God does not exist. And at the end of actually studying the word of God and being objective about it, they came to realize that not only that God exists, but they have made the God of the Bible their God. And so we find that the Bible is something that's, it's, it's the foundation, the very foundation of every Christian. It's one of the basics of the Christian life. And as I think about what the Bible is to a Christian, it, it, kind, of, um, it kind of makes me think of that really well-known story of the three little pigs. Uh, I, I'm sure many of us have heard this story, and, and if not, I'll try to kind of recap it for you. But there's these three little pigs, and they're, they're going out uh, into the world, and uh, they're going to build their house. And, uh, and the first one goes, and he builds a house of straw. And the wolf comes, and he begins to huff and to puff, and he blows that house down because it was made out of straw. It wasn't really good. And so that piggy runs to the second piggy's house and that pig had uh, built his house out of straw. If you remember, the wolf comes and he huffs and he puffs and, and, uh, and suddenly that goes down. And the third one, those two go to the third pig and he's building his house out of brick. And the wolf comes and he huffs and he puffs, but the house doesn't come down. And he huffs and he puffs again and the house doesn't come down. And the whole point of that little story is to, to try to teach little kids, hey, listen, when you're, when you're building something in life, build something with a, a sure foundation. Don't, don't just sacrifice for the immediate something that uh, is, is uh, eternal, something that is good. Uh, make the right foundations in your life that over time will last and, and will pass the test of time. That's the whole point of that story. Would you know that when it comes to the word of God, it is our foundation. It is our house of bricks, if you will, so that when the devil, the Bible uh, describes him as a wolf many times, comes to huff and to puff and try to tear down what is in our life, you can, you can rest assured that if you have the Bible as your foundation, that you will be left standing. It will not come down. It will not crumble. And here in Joshua chapter 1, that's the message that God is giving to Joshua. But instead of 
talking about three little pigs, God decides to say, Joshua, let me just be even more direct with you. He said, I want you to make my word something important for you. I want you to make my word the foundation of what you're going to base everything you're going to do on in your life as you go into the promised land, as you go into battles, as you go into conquering in your life, be sure that you don't forget what your foundation is. So this morning, I just want to share three foundational truths here from verse number eight that I believe will help us this morning as we, as we continue in our Christian life to get this basic down, this basic foundation of our life, which is the Bible. I want you to notice, first of all, in verse number eight, that we find that God says that his word is essential. It's essential. He says in verse number eight to Joshua, this book of the law, God's word, what we would call the Bible today, he says, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. Do you know that without the Bible, we would not be able to know God's thoughts, God's ways, God's love? All of that is found in the Bible. And so he tells Joshua, it's essential that this does not depart from your mouth. It's my truth that I want you to know. It contains my promises. It contains my commandments. It it contains my statutes. It contains my, my thoughts. I'm telling you, Joshua, make sure that this is the foundation in your life. You see, because the Bible is the Christian's food and guide. It's interesting that the picture that God gives to Joshua is to not depart out of your mouth. Because you see, God's word has a lot to do with what we're going to consume, not physically, but spiritually. You see, the Bible is our spiritual food. It is what feeds us. It is our compass. It's what guides us. And as as Joshua was going to be leading the people into battle, listen, if you're going to win victories, your army needs to be well fed, first of all. Second of all, if you're going into battle, you need to know where you're going. You need to have a strategy. You need to have a plan. You you need to know which way is north, south, east, and west. And so God tells Joshua, as you're about to go into conquering a land, you need to understand, you need to have the right foundation. You need to have the the food that's going to sustain you and that compass that's going to lead you. And that's what my word will do for you. Did you know that this morning, what you need and what I need in in our life, more than anything, is the truth of God feeding us? And the truth of God leading us in our life. Uh, he, He tells Joshua, Joshua, this is important for you. Just like food is important for our bodies to function. This is why uh, possibly many of us this morning before we came here ate something. Right? We, we, we get up and, and we start getting ready and, and usually uh, even, even if you're on a diet, you, you'll, you maybe eat a, a piece of toast or, or something. But you need to get something in your system because your body needs food if it's going to be functioning. Right? It, it needs something to sustain it. And just as important as food is for the body, the Bible is for your spiritual life. You need the Bible to, to feed you. That's why First Peter, look in your notes, First Peter chapter 2 uh, and verse number 2. He says, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word. That, that, uh, that word desire is an imperative. He's telling them you need to desire, Peter says, to the Christians that he's talking to. You need to desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. If so, 
If it so be that ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Peter says, you know, if, if you really know what it means to be forgiven, if you really know what it means to be God's child, so how, how do I get forgiven and how do I become God's child? The Bible says, believing on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Because as many as believed on him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. In other words, Peter is saying, if you're a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you've asked him to be your savior and he's forgiven you and you've tasted what it means to be forgiven, to be redeemed, then you ought to desire the sincere milk of the word. You ought to begin to feed off of it. It ought to be the food that sustains you. It ought to be something that you can grow thereby. But not only that, he said it ought to be that, that compass that leads you. And I love how the psalmist put it. Psalms chapter 19, there in your, in, your, uh, in your notes, you'll see it. Psalms 19, it says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments are the, uh, of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, and sweeter than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Who can know his faults, the psalmist said in, in Psalm 19. Who can know his faults? Cleanse thou me, he says. You see, it's the word of God that was going to lead him in what is right and what is good. It was the word of God that was going to be sweet to his taste. It was the word of God that was going to lead him and guide him in his path. It was the foundation of his life. And God tells Joshua, listen, before you get in there into that new land, understand this. Don't let this depart from your mouth. May it be what sustains you and guides you. Don't go away from it. You know, the word depart there means to not get away from it. I love in verse number seven, God says, don't depart from it from the right hand or to the left. I mean, in other words, just keep it close by, God is saying. Uh, this, this ought to be something that is close to you and to me. Something precious for us. But not only is it to be our food and our guide, but it, the Bible is the Christian's uh, constant thought. It ought to be the, the, the thing that they think about the most. It says there in verse 8, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Joshua was to meditate on it day and night. You know that the, the word meditate here in the Hebrew literally means that he was to mutter it. Now, it's not really our um, custom to do this, but uh, with the Jewish culture, when they were teaching their kids, whether it be at the synagogue or at home, uh, they would teach them to say out loud what they were saying, what they were praying, what they were reading. In fact, if, even if you go to the Western Wall today in Jerusalem, you'll see the, the Orthodox Jews that are praying there at the Wailing Wall. You'll hear them actually talking. They're not praying to themselves silently. They're actually, uh, they're actually reciting verses and they're, they're praying out loud. And the, and the reason for that is from this, this verse right here in Joshua 1.8. He, he says, uh, not only is it not to depart from thy mouth, but you're meditate. You're actually to, to mutter it, to say it out loud. It was interesting um, that there was actually a study done by uh, 
researchers, Noah Farron and Colin McLeod. And uh, there's this blogger uh, by the name of Bradley Bush. He, he's a psychologist, and he, he kind of put this on his blog of the, the, what they found in their research and what they did to kind of uh, just see how people learn and how people remember things and how do, how do we memorize things. They, uh, they got 75 different students, and they gave them 160 words uh, to kind of memorize. And uh, they gave it to them one week. They brought them back the next week, and they said, we want you to, to study these 80 words. And so of this 160, half of them, 80 words, they were to uh, say them out loud and just go over the list. But by saying them out loud, they couldn't just look over them. They had to literally say it out loud. And what they found is that they were remembering 77% of those words. In fact, there was a 12% difference between just trying to uh, read the words silently and from actually saying out loud the words. There was, uh, there was a greater chance of you remembering what you just read or, or what the words were if you would just say it out loud. It's interesting that before that study was ever done, that was a recent study in the last 20 years, that God had said over a thousand years ago to Joshua, you're supposed to meditate in it day and night. Someone said, if you don't talk to your Bible, your Bible probably won't talk to you. And it's important that as the foundation of our life, as we make the Bible that foundation, that we are to let it be our food, to be our guide, but it's also to be something that we have constantly thinking about in our minds. And the more that you say it out loud, the more that you read it, the more that you talk about it, the more that it will stay in your mind. God told Joshua, I want you to do that. that that's why I love in, in Psalm 119, verse 97, the, the psalmist said this. He said, oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day long. You know how David figured out? The more that I talk about it, the more that I read it, the more that I just say it, the more it stays with me. It's so important this morning to say, what is the foundation of my life? I wonder this morning, as we're going into 2021, and we talk about all these new terms that we're learning over the last year and a half or so now, terms like social distancing and you know, masking up and all of these things. It's really made us think, what is essential? What do we really need and what, what can we do without? And God says, let me tell you something you really need. More than a mask and more than social distancing. And that is my word. My word ought not to depart from your mouth. And it's something that you ought to meditate day in and day out. We find that God's word is essential, but secondly, we find a different, a second truth here in this passage, and that is that God's word defines true success. I think it's interesting that God tells him, not only should it not depart out of your mouth, not only should you meditate there in, uh, day and night, but why? Why are you meditating, and why are you making it so uh, essential in your life? He says, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. God says, Joshua, I need you to do this because here's where you're going to find success in your life. This is where true success is identified. 
And can I say, everybody wants to be successful, don't we? I think we'd be lying to ourselves and lying to others if we say, I don't, I don't really care to be successful. I don't know of a, of a ninth grader that goes into uh, their ninth grade year going, I hope I don't make it to 10th grade. That'd be the worst. No, nobody wants to fail. Nobody starts a business saying, I hope they close me down soon. Nobody does that. Why? We all want to be successful. We all want to be looked at as a success. But how do we do that? How do we end our life as a success? Well, God tells Joshua how. God says, this is what I want you to understand, Joshua. Here's how I define success. Now, there's a lot of definitions for success in our world, but there's really only one that should matter to us, and that is, what does God think? What does God say? What, what is it that God says is success? And Joshua tells, I mean, God tells Joshua, Here, here's what I want you to understand about what I define success as. Number one, success, he said, is found in obedience to what the Bible says. He says, you're meditating and you're making it your food. You're making it your guide. You're repeating it. Why? So that you can obey it. Because that's where success is found in obedience. Despite what the world would say, success is not defined by who has the most toys at the end of the day. It's not defined by who has the biggest bank account. It's not defined by who has the most likes on YouTube or Facebook. Or who has the most fame worldwide? Who's the biggest celebrity? That's not where success is found, God says. Success is found simply on who obeyed what I said and who did not. Joshua was not going to be a success just for crossing the Jordan River. He wasn't going to be a success because he conquered Jericho. Do you know that there had been many people before Joshua that had con uh, conquered other people? There had already been kingdoms and cities go to war, and, and there had already been a, a, a generals that were great and won great battles before Joshua won great battles. I mean, uh, uh, Moses himself had brought the people uh, out of Egypt uh, from captivity. There had already been some great accomplishments by people, and yet that wasn't to be what was going to define Joshua's success. Uh, God says, I, I don't want you to, to think that, oh, my success depends on how many of these we conquer. No. He said, success is just if you obey me. That's what God decided to focus on. He didn't say success is going to be defined by how much of the land that I promise you, you conquer. That's not success. Success is, did you obey what I said? It's amazing to me that when you look at different people and men in the Bible, that there's a constant theme about this for success. A constant theme that obedience is what really defines success in the life of someone. If you go to Genesis chapter number 22, you'll find a man by the name of Abraham. Abraham was a man that God called. Abraham was a man that God even asked of Abraham. The Bible says he was a friend of God. He asked his friend, this man Abraham, to give his own son. The only son that he had, Isaac, the son of promise, if he would just give him to God on the altar. And Abraham goes and with all intention to obey God, puts Isaac on the altar, lifts his hand with the knife and is about to sacrifice his own son to God. And God stops him. 
And he says, now I know that you fear me. Now I know that you love me. Now I know that I'm the foundation of your life, Abraham. I, I, I can see that now. And then notice what he said after that happened. And that's what's in your notes in verse number 15. What happened right after that? It says, then the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time and said, my, myself have I sworn, saith the Lord. For because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will blessing and in multiply, multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven. And as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Why? Because thou hast obeyed my voice. Abraham, you're going to be a success, and your success is going to impact a lot of people. And listen, there's a lot of people in our world today that will pay thousands of dollars to conference speakers to say, how can I impact our world? How can we change our world? It's really simple. I can save you the $1,000. Just simple. Obey God. And you'll be amazed how we can impact this nation. You'll, you'll be amazed what will happen in your family. You'll be amazed at what can happen in our city if we just simply decide today that, hey, we're going to obey the word of God. Just as simple as that. Make that the foundation of our life. You know, our laws are going to hang on that. And, and what I do in my home is going to hang upon that. Just upon what does God say to do. And I'll make that the measuring stick for success. Because when you do that, God says, now you are a true success. You see, because success is found in obedience to what the Bible says. But can I also say that success is also found in the path that obedience creates? Notice what he says there in verse number eight. Let's go back there. It says that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. The way in which you're going. God told Joshua that as he obeys, then his way would be prosperous. You see, obedience precedes the path but it does make a path. Uh, obedience has a path. It's a path that uh, you, you can see as you go in your Christian life that you can look back upon and say, I'm glad I made those decisions that I made. And it's one that you can look for as you're going into an unknown future and say, God, where do you want me to go? And, and what do you want me to do? Suddenly obedience opens the path of where you should go. That's why God told Joshua, then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. When you obey, then it makes your way prosperous. Then it makes the dark seem like light. One of the most famous trails in the U.S. is the Oregon Trail. Starts in Missouri and ends up, obviously, in the state of Oregon. But it was a trail that uh, took a lot of time to, to make. In fact, in, in 1803, the, uh, the two explorers that are really well known, if you like history, Lewis and Clark, commissioned by the president, then President Jefferson, to find a trail or make a, a path that would go from the east side of the United States to the west side of the United States, to the west coast there. And the path they found was a path, but it was really hard. They couldn't get wagons to get across. And and eventually others came, some fur trader companies and, and others, and, and they found this path and made and created a path from Missouri to Oregon that even wagons and stuff could, could make. They could get to the West Coast, and it is estimated that over 268,000 pioneers used the Oregon Trail 
the time that, that it was created. That trail led them to go to new places, to be able to have new beginnings. That's what trails do. That's what paths do. Do you know that as you apply God's word in your life, as you make it the foundation of your life, as you begin to obey it so you can find success in your life, you begin to create a path. A path that others can follow. A path that your children can follow after you. They can see, oh, this is... This is what it means to follow God. This is what it means when it says, when the Bible says God will provide. Oh, I saw that in my mom and in my dad. I saw that in our family. I saw that in our church. The provision, the path moving forward. It's amazing when you look at that. If you, if you read in your Bible, Genesis chapter two talks about, 22 talks about Abraham, what happened there. If you jump over to Genesis chapter 26, now you find Abraham's son, Isaac. The one that was on the altar that Abraham was going to sacrifice to God and God stopped him and said, now I know that you've obeyed my voice. Look at what happens years later with Isaac. Isaac is there, and there's a great famine in the land. At the beginning of chapter 26, it tells you that. And, and Isaac doesn't know where to go. Isaac is thinking, well, maybe I'll go down to Egypt. There was food there last time. I remember my dad, Abraham, when there was a famine, he went down there, and it, and it went well with him. And, and maybe that's what I need to do. And, and God said, don't go down to Egypt. And notice what he says in verse number three there in your notes. Sojourn in this land, or say, and I will be with thee, and will bless thee for unto thee and unto thy seed I will give all these countries, and I will perform the oath which I swear unto Abraham thy father. And I will make thy seed to multiply as the stars of heaven, and will give unto thy seed all these countries. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because, thy, because that Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. And you go to verse number 6, and you find that Isaac stayed. God said, you remember what, you remember what your dad did, Abraham? He, he, he blazed a path. He said, Isaac, stay on that path. Don't go down to Egypt. There's nothing there for you. Egypt is always a picture of the world in the Bible. You'll find that if you study scriptures, Egypt is always a picture of the world. And you find that God told Isaac, don't go to the world to try to find what you need. Don't go to the world. I know there's a famine in the land. I know there's not a lot of food. But listen, don't go to the world for the food. I'll provide your food. And he made the same promise, the same thing he told Abraham. They said, Abraham, I'm going to bless thy seed. I'm going to multiply thy seed. I, 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 by thee, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Now he tells Isaac, Isaac, remember what I told your dad? It applies to you too. Stay on this path. You see, success is found in obedience. And obedience creates paths and trails so that we can follow. That's why it's so important to make sure the Bible is the foundation of our life. Then I want you to notice thirdly this morning. Not only does God say to Joshua. Listen Joshua it's, it's important because it's essential. God's words essential. But God's word also defines what true success is. And let me tell you one more thing Joshua. And this is important. God's commandments are God's enablements. Look at verse number 9 here. It says have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. 
There's something that God wanted to confirm at the very end here. After he tells Joshua how important, foundational the, the, the Bible ought to be to him, God's word ought to be to him. He says, now I want you to see this, Joshua, that with my commandments comes my enablement. Joshua is facing great odds. I know we look back at it now and we read the story and we go, yeah, Joshua's going to go in there and conquer Jericho. Yeah, they had some pretty tall walls. But hey, they came down. And you look at all these battles throughout the book of Joshua and you say, yeah, yeah, they won that. And then they won the next one. And then they won the next one. And, they won. and you see all these victories. But you know, none of that was written down in a book for Joshua. Joshua just by faith had to say, well, I guess that's where God's leading us. We better go. I got to obey. Joshua didn't know that later it was going to be written that they took down Jericho. He just had to believe God's going to be with us and we're going to take down Jericho. Let me tell you something. Our life story hasn't been finishedly written, right? It's, 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 not, it's not done yet because we're still breathing. We're still alive. But somebody's going to read something about you 50 years from now. It was amazing to me. I, we were in um, San Antonio uh, for the New Year's week, and, uh, and Rochelle and I like going into the antique uh, shops, and we went to New Braunfels, and there's some antique shops there in the downtown center, and we went into one, and as we were there just going through the little antique mall, we actually found they were selling these postcards. And they were actual postcards from, I don't remember the person's name, but he was writing to... Uh, I don't know if it was wife or his girlfriend saying, hey, uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm stationed over here and, and I'll be uh, going over there for the summer. I hope I will be able to see you. And all these postcards, these, and there's like a stack of them. You could read through them and, and you could buy them. I don't even know how, to, how much they were selling them for, but they were there. And I was just, it was, it was interesting to me to just kind of read them and think something was going on in this person's life. They were sharing their life here with someone and now, here I am. They never knew that, oh, there's going to be this guy from Mission, Texas that'll read this one day. No. That's not why he was writing. He, had, he didn't have that in mind, but I, but I read it years later. You know, your life story, is, it's not finished yet. But one day it will be. And I wonder, what are the paths that people will see written about you? What are the paths that you blazed in, in 2020 and in 2021? And what is it that you did in your life? And how successful were you? By that I mean how obedient were you? And you think about verse number 9. About God's commandments. Giving God's, coming with God's enablements. And to break it down simply is this. In other words... What God has asked you and I to do, he gives us the strength to do it. You know that God has never asked you to do something that you could not do? Never has he asked you to, to say something you could not say. To forgive someone that has wronged you. To love someone that hates you. All this you and I can do. Not only because they're commandments from God's word, but with God's commandments comes God's enablements. That's why he told Joshua, listen, Joshua, I'm sending you, and I know there's great odds. The armies in the, in the, uh, in the promised land were bigger than the armies of Israel. They were stronger. 
any general will tell you, listen, if you're fighting people that live in a certain area, they have the advantage. They know the terrain. If you're a student of history, you know one of the great reasons and big reasons that we won the Revolutionary War wasn't because we had a bigger, stronger army than England. They should have crushed us. But we won battles after battles because we were fighting it on our, on our territory. We knew how to hide. We knew where the advantages were. We, we knew how to win these battles, even though our army was much smaller. Yet, we, we could do that. But here with Joshua, he's going into a promised land with armies that are bigger than his, and we're fighting on their territory. And God says, just go, because I'm telling you, you need to go. But Joshua, whatever I command you to do, I'm going to help you do. And that's why he says, did I not command you? Only be thou strong. Did you know that we can do what God's commanded us to do because of God's power in our life? Joshua could go in confidently because God said, hey, I have my power behind you. I'll be with you. Okay, my power, I will strengthen you. Just be strong, but I'm going to be there. Be courageous. I'm going to be there with you. Listen, uh, if, you, if you're having trouble kicking a habit, you're having trouble forgiving someone, you're having, you're having trouble uh, loving people that have been unkind to you, just remember, I can always turn to God and ask him, God, will you help me? And God promises he'll help you. Every time. I'm struggling with this. I don't know if I can ever overcome this. Listen, God says, yeah, you can. I have a really bad habit I've been doing for 20 years. God will help you overcome it. Because see, with God's commandments comes God's enablements. And so that's why he gives you his power. Because in your power, you won't do it. But in God's power, you will. You will. I love what Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 says. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Then I want you to notice, not only because of God's power in our lives, but because of God's presence in our life. See, the Bible says not only was Joshua to be strong, but he was also not to be dismayed. Don't be dismayed. The word means discouraged. It means don't be confused. He was to move forward in confidence because of God's presence. He said, I will be with you. You know, it's amazing what the presence of God will do for us. Do you know, because of the presence of God, this little shepherd boy went and faced the greatest warrior of his day, who was a giant, and he defeated him. Because of the presence of God, three young men decided we're not going to bow down like everybody around us is doing. And we know that there's a fire, but with the presence of God, we'll jump into that fire. That'll be fine. If, if that's what God wants, I will do it. If God liberates us or not, it doesn't matter. God's presence is with us. That, that's what leads martyrs to do what they do. Many were burned at the stake, not thinking, oh, the fire's not going to do nothing to me. No, no, no. They didn't care what the fire was going to do as long as God was going to be with them. Some of our forefathers in the faith, they were literally ripped apart. Some were drowned in rivers. But it wasn't the fear of what was going to happen to their body as long as the presence of God was with them. You see, because with God's commandments comes God's enablements. 
you have God's presence in your life, it makes all the difference in the world. But I wonder this morning, is that the presence that you have? You might be here and you might be thinking, man, I'd love to have that. How do I get that? The Bible says, if we come to him, draw nigh unto him, he'll draw nigh unto us. The Bible says, if we are in Christ, we are new creatures and he puts his spirit to indwell us. He'll never leave us nor forsake us because now we become part of him. But I wonder, do you have that presence in your life today? Is that something that gives you confidence going forward? Judges chapter 4 tells us the story of, of Deborah and, and, and Barak who were in a battle, a time when they were going to be overrun, and yet Deborah told Barak, just go. God will be with you. He said, well, if you don't come with me, I'm not going. She said, okay, I'll go with you. But you'll find that the Lord is the one that you really need to be worried about. The Lord's presence is all you really need. The Bible says that the Lord gave them that battle. He won for them. That's what God's presence does. This morning, it's real simple. We just need to get back to the basics in our Christian life of making the Bible our foundation. It's essential for us. It's what's going to give us true success. It's what's going to enable us to do what God has commanded us to do. But the question is this morning... Will you make it the foundation of your life? I, I want to encourage you today. Allow the Bible to be the foundation. Don't lay a foundation that's shaky and inconsistent. Get one like that third little piggy, that brick that, hey, no matter who comes and huffs and puffs, it ain't coming down. Because the power of God is, me, is with me. The presence of God is, is with me. You know, in August uh, 9th of the year 1173, the foundations of a new building were laid. It was going to be a beautiful structure. It was going to have columns. It was going to look like one of the many nice cathedrals that were in the country in that time. And after a period of about 199 years of construction, it was finally finished. It was seven stories tall. But what they did not realize, those that made this construction is that as they started on the second floor of this tower, they did not realize that their foundation was way too weak. In fact, they had only about nine feet of foundation. And they didn't realize that it was on soil that was not solid. In fact, it's funny because this tower, as we know it today, the Tower of Pisa is in the city of Pisa. The word Pisa in Italian means marsh. I mean, if anything, they should have known, okay, this is an area that's not really solid in its uh, foundations, and yet they thought they'd build a seven-tower uh, cathedral there. And because it wasn't on a good foundation, it began to lean and lean. In fact, if they engineers hadn't intervened in around 1993, they said that by 2007, it would have just toppled over. It was leaning more and more each year at a faster and faster rate. And finally, in 1993, engineers came and they began to dig and they, they tried to solidify the foundation and actually moved it back about 17 inches from the way it was tilted. And they said it will probably last maybe another 200 years. But if in 200 years no 
improvements are made, it will topple over because the foundation isn't strong. Can I say 2019 might have been a really strong year for you and for me. It might have been a really strong year for us as a church, but 2020 seemed like it was a little shaky, wasn't it? The only way you're going to survive in 2021 is if that foundation gets shored up. If you get back to the basics and say, this is where I need to build my life upon. If you and I do that this morning, let me tell you something. There's nothing that's going to topple you over. Because it's God's word, I'm telling you, that brings real success. It's God's word that allows you to do what he's commanded. It's God's word that's essential in your life. I pray you'll make that decision of making it your foundation. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. And thank you for your truth because, Father, in it we find all that we need. We find that you are a God that loves us, a God that provides for us. Oh, there's so much that your word does. And as we study today, Father, how essential it is. And I think about what your word did for Joshua and all those people. And all the victory that they experienced because of the sure foundation that they had. Oh, Father, that's what we want. That's that's what we want as families. That our families be strong in the midst of the storms of life. We want that for our church. That no matter what pandemic comes or goes, no matter what difficulties come or go, that, Father, our foundation is sure. It's our foundation that will lead us to build stronger and higher and do more for you than we've ever done. Father, our story isn't written yet. We're still writing it. Oh, Father, I pray that it would be a story of success. That as we blaze the trails for our children, that they might be able to to look back as we do with the people of Joshua and say, wow, To be alive at that time must have been awesome. Oh, may our children say that about our life. About our experiences. About what we did in our life. Help us, Father, to make this foundation everything in our life. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.